And so even before we began, begin to begin, I mentioned bringing the attention home to the body, even with open eyes, and to see that you can do that. And notice that this can begin to relax you. So you can begin to shift away from just pouring out into the screen or into others and see that you can keep something. You can keep something right here for yourself. And so when we sit, when we take a seat like this, we're coming home to our primary relationship, which is a relationship to life itself. And what does that mean? It sounds fancy, but it's that simple movement of giving attention to what's happening without seeking to change it, but to notice it. So, so I, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about my week. There was a great big storm and a great big power outage. And I live in the Hudson Valley and in a town with lots of trees. And because there are lots of trees, it means the power lines come down. Um, for a few of you who don't live in this country, we don't bury our lines because that would be much too wise. We put them up on poles so they come crashing down. So I didn't have power and I didn't have internet and I only had intermittent cell service where I would have to run around the house and look for a place and a time where I could get like one bar with a signal. So what did I feel? I felt an extraordinary sense of desolation, a kind of inner poverty appears. And I do have a generator because I also live in a town where our water comes from wells with electric pumps. So when you lose power, and I do have a Dharma point, when you lose power, you also lose water. And after a couple of years of attempting to flush the toilet with snow in the tank, <laughs> it seemed prudent to purchase a generator. So they were certain I could continue to exist. But there was also this sudden feeling of a veil being pulled back. That the power that I thought was just mine, that I could take for granted, was suddenly taken from me. And the instant ability to escape, to connect with people, also gone. And it's quite extraordinary to have that feeling because it doesn't just come with power outages. It comes whenever something goes wrong. When, when we're waiting for a diagnosis or when someone we love, a child, is out of reach, out of touch, 
we don't have news. Suddenly, it puts us in touch with a feeling sometimes of limitation, complete incapacity, a sense that we dreamed that we were one way and that life was a certain way, that it was predictable and that it would follow a progress that that we just assumed would be so. And then all of a sudden, that's gone. It's gone. And in that place, in that very place of no power, that is the place where we discover what liberation might be, what our true connection might be. And there's a beautiful and very famous quote from Thomas Merton. I have two tonight. And the first is, prayer, prayer and love are learned in the hour when prayer becomes impossible and the heart has turned to stone. Prayer and love are learned in the hour when prayer becomes impossible and the heart has turned to stone. It's in our moments of not knowing of feeling our true poverty in terms of our ability to control and know that we discover, first of all, our true questions. And our questions might be extraordinarily primal without words. It might be something like there must more than this. There must be. Or there must be joy somehow. This cannot be it. So we soften into that place. In that very place I read this quote from Jack Cornfield, always catchy, Jack Cornfield, that I paraphrase, that when we quiet ourselves, we also honor our tears. When we make this movement of coming home that we're about to do, and we make this dedicated space, this attention that comes home to this state, not some better state. We welcome the sorrow we find, the fatigue we might find, the energy of rage we That's might right. find. And I'm going to just mute you. Um, we welcome what's present, including our sorrow, including our heartache, including our uncertainty, and embrace that energy like never before. In the ancient days of, of the Buddha, and just before I had the pleasure of seeing your beautiful faces, I was reading an early, early, early story of the mother of the Buddha, Mahaprajapati. And this story is so ancient 
it's just now being unearthed. And in this story, she's addressing 500 Buddhist nuns who look to her as a great queen and a great teacher. Because by now, the Buddha has gone and become enlightened. And she has been accepted in his order. And when she meets with these women and their different aspects of the story, the first thing she does is invite them to remember all they've been through in their lives before they came to this point of sitting quietly together. And it's quite remarkable because some of these women just let it rip and they've known extraordinary tragedy. Some of them, uh, children being carried away by eagles, things that we don't have to worry about. And, and being in horrible, horrible, loveless marriages. And finally, begging for their freedom, but in great candor, revealing all this torment before they came to sit together. And Mahabrasapati, their teacher, their queen, reminds them, reminds us that we have all suffered and sometimes in extraordinary ways, terrible ways. But at the same time, it's brought us here. And she describes the grief she felt when the man who would become the Buddha left home and she didn't hear from him. And she sat weaving a robe for his return. And a great shadow fell over her life and the whole kingdom. No word, no word, no word. It was worse than not having internet or power. It was far worse. But in the end, they came to sit together. And she said, we have shared so many stories, but remember this, because I might tell other stories on other nights, that the most extraordinary feature of early Buddhism, ancient Buddhism, is how much time they gave things. You weren't expected to become enlightened in one feverish little life of extraordinary effort and multiple courses and sanghas and retreats. It was expected that it would take eons. But here, here is something that we often forget or don't know that they deeply believed that all the people who were present when you made a vow to awaken, however tentative, I'll try this meditation, those people have been with you from the beginning and they will be with you until you reach enlightenment. And by that standard, I'll be with you forever. I've been with you forever. Isn't that like the spaciousness in that? The spaciousness in that. And there are all these stories about their multiple lifetimes together in every walk of life as noble woman, as a slave, together. So in our darkest hours, in our deepest moments, 
presence of uncertainty and despair even. Remember that there are qualities of heart that can support you and bring joy. Remember that you're not alone. That there is Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. And so the other quote, part of quote I wanted to read before I finally let you sit is, for love must not only seek the truth in the lives of those around us, it must find it there. But when we find the truth that shapes our lives, we found more than an idea. And I paraphrase here, we found a presence. A presence. I invite you to see yourself and each of us as not simply what we appear to be or what our resumes might say we are, but as a presence, a searching, seeking presence who has sought awakening from the beginning and will go on seeking, awakening until it comes. So let's sit together. Noble friends, So take a comfortable seat and just notice how it feels to really make that important that your body be comfortable, that your state be completely acceptable and welcome. And let the eyes close. And just with what's here. And let it be here. And notice how the attention softens you and makes more space around you. Notice that there's a presence here inside you and also around you that's more than thinking. That's not separate from sensing. from the feeling of being present right now. Hmm. 
can see that when you drift into thought, you can gently come home with no judgment. Back to the sensation of being present right now. And when you come home, notice how much life is inside you. That there is a vibrancy and energy. When you drift into thinking, know that this is natural. This is what brains do. And gently come back to the body and the presence 
sits here. And see that no matter what comes up, distracted mind, uh, fatigue, sadness, tears, joy, happy memories, whatever comes up is also completely natural to be welcomed not pushed away, but welcomed home to presence. And just notice how it feels in the body.
and see, touch how it feels to have an attention that welcomes everything. That it begins to help us see that it's all energy. When you get lost, come home and let yourself be received by an attention that doesn't judge. It sees
peace, what comes up with kind attention, with love. Is how it feels to be completely acceptable, completely lovable. Just as you are. Also, to have all the time in the world.
Oh, um, how is that? It's um, it's an it's the opposite of a scientific approach, but it, it's extraordinary to think of having eons to wake up, and also to have this company. So thank you for your practice and your beautiful presence. And if you have questions or observations, I'd love to hear them or your stillness. Hi, it's just an observation, I guess, and a, um, a gratitude for how what how what's provided here always seems to be so much of what I need. Because just beforehand, I was sort of stuck in this frustrated loop of knowing I'm that what I am is not just what I can do. But being stuck in this idea of worthiness comes from, I don't know, doing stuff. <laughs> it sounds so silly as I say it now. And it's, uh, it's just so hard to get out of that loop sometimes. And um, the idea that it, it really just does take so long and the, and the many, um, the small moments many times is, is helpful to remember too. It's just such long, sometimes it's long, long work, it seems. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, thank you for that, because it is, um, um, when I was a little girl, I had a fantasy of being an archaeologist, and um, it just would dazzle me, and I could picture myself and you know in front of the pyramids and doing all this really important excavation. And then I began to discover it's done with these tiny little brushes, like teeny tiny little sable brushes. And we can feel that in a moment, and we're all in circumstances where there's a degree of there can be feelings of captivity and you know it was magnified during the power outage here but we all share that different limitations and and it's it's extraordinary that sometimes just at the moment like that Merton quote when you feel most desolate and trapped just for the tiniest moment, there can be a spark of attention or joy, like that tiny sable brush uncovering something inside you that you completely forgot about. And it's quite true that we're all trained to equate worthiness with productivity and achievement and our resumes. And a few years ago, I don't know, some of you might have seen it, this extraordinary PhD student made a resume that was all her failures, all the grants she didn't get, all the stuff that went wrong. And it really touched my heart because we do begin to discover that there is something that completely surpasses any seeming attainment that we could have that has to do with presence. Or we feel it very directly when somebody dies. And suddenly, it's like a meteor hits. It's like their presence is gone. And it's so 
much bigger than their activities in life would have suggested. And how wonderful it is that we have a practice where we can discover that now about other people and about ourselves. That we touch people in ways we can never know. Just by our attention, by our presence, we're participating in a great work. And, you know, being together, when I think of you, I never think of your accomplishments. <laughs> you know, I mean, I invite, not, I'm not discounting them, but um, there's something that we share that is quite extraordinary. And that's what Merton points to in that second quote, that when we search for the truth, it's not an idea or a thing, aha, or a prize. It's something that has to do with a person, with a presence. And it's our hope, our joy, our escape, our escape, our freedom. So thank you. Hey, Tracy? Yeah. Yeah, there was, um, I think in the similar line of thinking of what Mary Ellen was just talking about, but, um, and you may have touched about it, that beautiful um, uh, picture of the, of the light touch of the brush. But when you were talking about at the very beginning that your power went out um, and, um, and, and you build these beautiful pictures. So I felt very deeply about the idea of powerlessness. Um, and I started during the sitting, I, I started playing with this difference between out of control versus powerlessness, which to me somehow started feeling like two different out of control could be, oh, I'm in the, the giant storm and it seems exciting and powerlessness seems very pushing down, you know, so like you're subservient somehow. Um, the, the brush metaphor kind of helped it a bit, but I was wondering maybe you could speak a little bit about, about working with powerlessness and, and, um, and, and the other things you're, you know, um, uh, and sitting, I guess, and, and how the group, well, it's, it's my experience that when I come to the group and when I listen to you, I feel less powerless. <laughs> I get the imagery and the things that come along and I guess it's just hard to hold on to that during the week sometimes. Yeah, um, it's um, helpful to, uh, I know at least one person here hugged a tree today because mm -hmm. she wrote me and told me she did. And um, I'm not suggesting that we go do that literally, although it's always a good idea when you have a chance. But the idea of humility and that, that, detail in the Buddha story where he sat down under the tree and at one point overwhelmed, uh, feeling helpless, powerless, touched the earth. That is humility. It comes, the word comes from the same root as humus, soil not hummus, humus, um, humility, to touch the earth. And that when we have these moments of feeling powerless over a situation, over our lives, including
including her own frustration in any given moment. Just come home, come home to the body. Come home to sensation. And we discover that when we do less, and I'm all about doing less, accepting everything as it is, and giving yourself eons, hundreds of thousands of eons to wake up. That when we do that, coupled with this gesture of coming home, of touching the earth, of being humble, life offers itself to us in a new way. When we're not striving, when we're not busy when we're not trying to figure it all out and we give up I give up life offers itself something appears the feeling in the heart might appear the feeling in the body the basic goodness of life for a moment we remember that and when we come into alignment, head and heart and body, something new sometimes appears. But the simplest way to do that, to seek that, to find ourselves when we're lost, is to touch the earth to go down into the body. And it's like when you're lost in the woods, you find a mother tree, a tree that you'll recognize. Be the mother tree. And life will come to you. Thank you. Well, does that help? Helps, yeah. I've decided going forward, I'm going to be wildly unscientific. Be the mother tree. I'm going to be keeping that with me. Yep. Be the mother tree. Sit down. When you're lost, sit down. Thank you. So let's close. Let's sit together um, with our, with your friends. Like it or not, we're your friends. And let your eyes close. And then just take in the beauty of this life your life. It's true depth and profundity and scale. You are huge. And sensitive. capable of transmitting love and an attention that sees and we offer ourselves the wish from this place may I be safe May I be well. May I be at ease in life. May I be free. And 
letting the heart open further, always keeping ourselves at the center. Let this wish, this intention, shine out beyond. May we be safe. May we be well and grounded. May we take root in the goodness of life. May we be free. And letting ourselves offer this wish to all beings everywhere, in every city, every country, every land, all who suffer, all who are in joy, plants and animals and people without exception, including ourselves, smack in the center of it. May we all be safe and well. May we take root in life and know we truly are, that we're more than our thinking and striving and attainment. May we all wake up and be free, completely, joyfully free. Thank you. Thank you so much for your beautiful practice and attention. And take very good care of yourself and each other.